Enough to Remember by Walter Baum. Selecting pansies at a local nursery in southern New Jersey with my young daughters was the last place I expected to confront an unfulfilled sexual fantasy. It was early spring, a warm Saturday, a day for our perennial optimism about the future. But today, it was all about the past. Daddy, I want the red ones with the yellow middles, Nancy Six yelled from the muddy flower beds. I want the miniature purple and yellow ones, Madeline said. No, no, they won't go together, Nancy replied, wearing a purple paisley skirt with a pink and orange striped shirt and green socks. And then I heard that voice from the past, a cheerful and gruff voice from too many cigarettes, asking this older guy if he needed help with his shrubbery. Dad, what's a flat? Nancy asked. But I was too startled to reply. I just muttered, huh? I tensed some when she came over and asked me if I needed anything. In spite of the crow's feet, with those eyes and smile, it was definitely her. An old fantasy made flesh once again. It had been almost 20 years since I had worked with Sally at the Holiday Inn where I was the busboy to her waitress. I was 18. She was a few years older. I was in college. She wasn't. But now Sally was talking to my girls about what colors they liked and what flowers they grew in the garden. I was too rattled to say anything to her. I was that nervous, naive virgin again. Even when I overheard her tell another customer that she was a waitress in the evenings and had a kid and did the garden job during the day, I didn't know what to say. I should have said something. Perhaps I didn't want to risk her not remembering me, especially since she still orbited a distant ring of my libido. Having lost 40 pounds, too, she may not have recognized me. I like to think I've aged well. In the end, I bought three perennials and a flat of assorted pansies. As the girls wheeled the cart to Jose to pay by cash, I told them that I knew the woman who sold us the plants. We worked together when I was in college, I said. Why didn't you say anything to her? Madeline asked. Yeah, Dad, that was so rude, Nancy replied. But what would I say to the woman who had once asked me if I would lick butterscotch off her? This was in the kitchen, while I was dressing a room service tray full of condiments. Sally was making a sundae for a customer. Then bluntly, she said to me, I need to find someone to satisfy me besides myself. She wielded her waitress tray like a professional, like from some circus act. And Jason isn't doing it for me anymore. At the time, my buddy Tom McCook overheard and laughed. He dubbed her the Butterscotch Queen. The sexual frankness stunned me. I was familiar with male vulgarity, of course, and male urges, but this female parallel was new and frightening. Now, Jason was her insane boyfriend and sort of like this friend of mine at the hotel who set up banquets and wheeled tables, helter-skelter through the hallways. The guy who threw chairs in the back if the Yankees lost. The guy who played hockey in the middle of the kitchen, using the busboys and waitresses as defenders and a knocked-over trash can as a net. The guy who came to work tipsy and bleeding while singing The Grateful Dead. The guy who laughed at me for pining over the same woman for a year. The guy who used to invite me over to his hole-in-the-wall apartment covered in Yankee memorabilia for beers and smokes. 
He would show me naked photos of his girlfriends, and some, his penis made an appearance. I'm as ugly as a jackal, he would say, but if you ask enough girls, you always have someone to screw on Saturday night. He was a self-proclaimed dirtball who had no ambition to be anything more than a hotel setup guy. This astounded me, this total lack of ambition. He was a genuine outcast. As long as he had a beer, a smoke, a vagina for Saturday night, the Yankees and the dead, well, that was a successful life. And now his girlfriend was hitting on me. I didn't know what to do. So I did what the cultured folk do. I invited them to play tennis. And when Jason went to fetch a ball, she would wink at me and bend over. The flirtation was obvious. What would I do about Jason? After all, I drank his beers, laughed, and took notes about not putting women on a pedestal. They're like New York taxis, he would claim. You miss one, there's another one coming down the street. Yeah, but his taxi was opening her door for me. And I was anxious for a ride. Then a week later, I invited them over to my mom's house in Voorhees for a swim, along with a few other buddies from the hotel. While Jason played a suicide game of basketball, dribbling while smoking his camel, Sally was in the pool with me playing water volleyball, asking me if I liked her white swimsuit, knowing her rather large pert and purple nipples distracted my serve. She laughed because she knew I had trouble swimming. And later, as Jason continued to play basketball, Sally led me into the downstairs bathroom to change. She pulled me into the bathroom, kissed me, said I was a, quite a sweetie, and she gave me her number. Meanwhile, I heard Jason slam against the side of the house, calling a foul on Hank the Hat, a mild-mannered, head-banging, long-haired dishwasher. I knew Jason would kill me if he ever found out, but I penciled in butterscotch on my mom's grocery list for that week. What's with the butterscotch, she asked. I have a hankering for butterscotch, I told her. But that week, Sally left the hotel. I tried calling her a few times, and the only time I got her was almost midnight. She was drunk. Intricate details of setting up a date seemed too much for me. She wasn't the type to be courted like a lady, and since I fashioned myself after romantic heroes, I was destined to fail. So that was it, until I saw her again at the garden center. My wife had a good chuckle as soon as I got home. She said she would be suspicious if I started putting butterscotch on the grocery list and turned our house into Longwood Gardens. Honey, that was 20 years ago, I pleaded. Maybe she knew that men usually retain that 18-year-old brain. Later that week, my daughters and I stopped again for flowers. Honestly, it's a place we visit several times in the spring. This time, not wanting to be a pansy, when Sally asked me if there was anything I needed, I said, Aren't you Sally? Didn't you work at the Holiday Inn? Your boyfriend was Jason? That's when the owner of the farm laughed and said that he would leave us to reminisce. You were my busboy, right? She asked. I nodded my head, happy. She said she hadn't seen that dirtball Jason in years. He went one way, I went another, she said. And then she asked me about some people who worked at the hotel. I knew everyone, first name and last name, and so many details of their life. That hotel was more than a job for me. It was my fraternity, my stage, my three-ring circus. And I miss that camaraderie. I don't know if she would have remembered the butterscotch episode. She asked me where I lived. In Mullica Hill, I told her. Oh, that's a really nice area, she replied. 
perhaps thinking I lived in one of those mansions, especially since I looked apart in an orange polo and tan shorts with sandals. She smiled the same sly smile she flashed when she asked me to cover her with butterscotch. Thanks for remembering me, she said. As I walked away from her and shuffled the girls into the Mazda minivan, I thought maybe that's all we really want, to be remembered. How much did she really remember? Could she have written an essay about me? Did she go home to her kid and say, you knew who I met today? And why did I remember so much about Jason? I don't have anyone remotely like him in my life. As a proper member of society, as I now am, as an English teacher happily married for 13 years with two daughters and a house in the suburbs and ambitions to become the next Ernest Hemingway, I know he's no one I would invite over to a wine and cheese soiree. After all, most of my friends are like me, teachers, a few writers who love books, almost all with college or advanced college degrees, who share a similar political and religious ideas. My field of friends has vastly narrowed since those days at the hotel, and that's too bad. When it comes to life, it's not about the mansions and the money, but about connection and memory, especially from someone who may have been no one special. Jason was a dangerous outsider who I envied, and Sally made me feel good about myself, even momentarily, like I was desirable. That was a first. Imagine, what would have happened if I didn't worry about dating and being a gentleman, and just concentrated on drinking and smearing on the smuckers? Maybe she would have remembered me then, but I'm glad it didn't turn out to become a hustling Hugh Hefner. On the ride home, Madeline asked me if I was friends with that woman. She was the girlfriend of one of my buddies, I replied. Did you know her well? She asked. Enough to remember. But I didn't want to tell her that I didn't know her well. I knew her well enough in fantasy. Perhaps that's why she lingers, like Jason too, as so many linger, especially from childhood, in a realm of her own making, not as real people, but in the preserved fantasies and fables that never really go away.